Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. <laughs> uh, stand to your feet. Church is all about exercising. <laughs> We're up and down, up and down. Um, I'm going to open with a word of prayer and um, just encourage us this morning. Uh, the worship was great. I just want to continue to press into him. He is such an awesome God, and uh, I don't know if you know it, but we come here to meet him. <laughs> we we gather together to be in his presence. Uh, not that you, you can do that at home as well, and uh, in, in your house or dorm room or car or wherever, uh, but us gathering together makes it a little different. Uh, when we're together with the saints, there's such a great crowd of witnesses and we are encouraged by each other, and we kind of spur one another on. Um, they ran the 10-miler yesterday, and I'm sure they were, I didn't run or participate, but I have in the past, and their onlookers cheering the runners on and, and wanting to encourage them to keep running, to, to stay in the race, don't give up, and you can make it, you can do it, and uh, even though your legs may feel weary and tired, and even though your brain may be saying, what are you doing <laughs> to this body? Uh, you, the, the crowd is there to, to make us continue on. And so we come together to encourage each other and one another to continue in the race. Though the week may be difficult, and though there may be challenges uh, yet besetting us, we are here to encourage you to not give up. Don't throw in the towel. Even though your legs may be weary and your heart may be heavy, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep running the race that is set before you. And our prize is Jesus. Isn't it awesome that we have our prize already and he is yet our prize to come. Um, so we, we just worship him and praise him for being an awesome God. Thank you for just keeping us throughout this week and uh, just just loving on us when we need it most, Lord God. We just thank you and we bless you. You're just awesome. We just bask in your presence. And um, we don't leave it here, but we take it outside of these walls. And we want others to share in this experience, Lord God. And we will uh, be a witness, Lord God, and, and, and teach them and show them and encourage them and admonish them to, to know you and to love Christ, and you're the only way. And uh, in love, we will win others over to you. So we just thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Um, you may take your seats. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know about you guys. It's been a, a long, long week. <laughs> um, yeah, a long emotional week. <laughs> Is that uh, my father passed away last year this week, uh, Tuesday. I think we buried him today. <laughs> uh, so it's been an emotional week. For, not so much for me, but for my siblings. You know, we were texting back and forth and, how are you doing? Are you okay? Checking in with one another. And I've been fine for most of the week. Uh, had some moments, but uh, God is faithful. And sometimes we can um, think we have a right to feel a certain way. You know, I should because this happened or, you know, I have a right to be this way. 
And the Lord reminded me, even in uh, preparing for the message, that you don't have a right. <laughs> I bought you with a price. And if you, you don't have to do, you don't have to go the way the world says, or even logic may say I should feel a certain way. Uh, but I'm in his hands. And I don't have to be grieved or upset or angry or, or downtrodden because God got me. And uh, so I had to remind myself, and I was like, maybe I should feel a certain way. But he said, no, you don't have to feel a certain way. Um, I, I got you in this. And so it encouraged me because um, as we go on, you, I will remind you that you don't have a right. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about... Uh, the Sermon on the Mount, we're going through that still. We probably still have maybe 12 more messages <laughs> within the sermon. I mean, I was preparing this. I wonder how long did Jesus preach this? Like, how long did they sit there and listen to this? Because this could go on for a long time. And I know what they captured. I know this is what they wanted us to hear and what he, he but I'm sure there was more nuances to what he said that didn't get wrote down. And I was like, man, they probably was there for several hours. I don't know if I could sit through a several-hour sermon, um, <laughs> but if it was Jesus, maybe I could. Uh, <laughs> but in review, I said maybe, right? <laughs> I could, I will. Um, so in review, we talk, We started out in Matthew six thirty-three, talking about priority one, and talking about uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And we did a two-part series. We did an intro and an overview on the Beatitudes. So we kind of introduced. So when I did. So, when I did, for those of you who weren't here, uh, when I did Matthew 6, uh, priority 1, looking at Matthew 6, 33, uh, I did not think I was going to do the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. That was my, not, not my intention. But in doing Matthew 6, 33, I realized how great the Sermon on the Mount was and how that fit into everything. And so I was like, oh, man, I got to do this whole thing. now. So now I'm committed. And me and a friend, we were out running, and he encouraged me to do it. And so I was like, yeah, okay. So yeah, that's great. So I did it. So we started out with the Sermon on the Mount uh, overview, and we started out with the Beatitudes, and that was two parts. And then we did Christian influence, salt and light. I don't know if you guys remember that. So now we're going to do today, uh, will the real murderer please stand up? Right, the real murderer, please stand up. Uh, and then upcoming, and I don't know if I'll stick with these titles or not. Uh, this is just, uh, it's the I am who I say I am. So actually, we skipped over, I don't know if you've been keeping track in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, because before we get to uh, when he talks about murder or anger and murder, he talks about how he is fulfilling, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And we're going to skip over those passages of Scripture, and we're going to go back to that because that's important. Uh, but I wanted to go to this today. Uh, so we will. So I am who I say I am is about the. Uh, it's about him being the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's you know there are Old Testament uh, prophecies that he fulfills and brings to light. Um, then there's adultery and divorce. There's oaths, love over revenge, love over hate. Uh, there's a secret Christian praying and fasting, the Lord's prayer. We could probably spend a whole month on the Lord's prayer. One sermon, that's it. I'm committed to doing one sermon on each of these. <laughs> Where is your treasure? Judging others and judging yourself. Ask, seek, knock. The narrow gate, wise and foolish builders. That's a, I mean, this is all just in the Sermon on the Mount. All of this, all of these things could be sermons right by themselves. Um, but this is all in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to eventually 
Uh, at this rate, it'll be a year before we get through all of them. Um, but it'll be good. Trust me, it'll be good stuff. Uh, so I appreciate it. So that's where we are. So will the real murderer please stand up? That's deep, right? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> I'm not, that's not me. I thought the same thing. Uh, so looking at Matthew 5, 21 through 26, and I'm reading from the NIV, uh, and, it re- and it reads, um, You have heard that it is said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. That's deep, y'all. That 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 stops me in my tracks because... If he is comparing anger to murder, he said that the murderer is going to be judged. And then he says anyone who's angry with their brother and sister will be judged. And it's like, wait a minute. Now, I ain't done murder, but I've been angry. <laughs> and I didn't think I deserved the same treatment as the murderer did. Uh, so I don't know. If that, does that stop you guys that make you think like, wait a minute. I don't know. Let's, let's dig in this a little deeper. Let me un- get some understanding in here. Uh, it says, and again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Rika, which is Arabic for contempt, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire of hell. This, I don't know if when you guys were younger, my parents did forbade me to say fool. Like, I did not know why you couldn't say fool. Like, you don't say that in my, in my parents' house. And when I read this, I was like, oh, that's why they couldn't let us say fool. They didn't want us to say fool because they thought we'd be going to, uh, to hell. We said it. So they never gave us the explanation, but you could not say fool in my house. You could say, no, we couldn't say a whole lot of stuff, but you definitely couldn't say we're a fool. Uh, so anyway, therefore, 23, verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with them. Then come and offer your gift. That's good. That's good stuff, y'all. We're going to unpack that. Uh, 25 says, settle matters quickly with your uh, adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way to court or your adversary or your adversary may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out of jail, get out until you are paid the last penny. So this is some wisdom that, that Jesus is, is showing us and teaching us in this. Um, and we're going to unpack this. So two problems uh, Jesus is addressing here. He's addressing uh, what they've heard in the Old Testament uh, have, may not be been taught correctly. And then he is also not limiting the commandments to external actions, but an inward righteousness. And this is important. And this is where you can have the seed of anger be related to murder. Jesus reveals the true intentions of the law in regards to the heart. And we talked about this in the Beatitudes a lot, that it is about the heart. God, Jesus is looking at the heart. It is a heart matter. And, and throughout all of the Sermon on the Mount, I know it's going to be important that we reevaluate or evaluate our hearts. Um, there, there's going to be some self-interrogation going on here. Where do I stand what does this mean for me? Where is this in my heart? And what can what do I need to do to change the things that are in my heart? So the root of the murder was anger. This is the root. The attitude behind the act. It is not just the act itself. 
so we talked about this in uh, the Beatitudes, but is the attitude behind the act. Proverbs 16.2 says that uh, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but the Lord comes uh, comes the proper with the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person weighs seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. The Lord knows our motives. He knows what's behind the actions. Man can't judge. We can only look at your what your actions say, but the Lord knows the intent of your heart and the motives behind it. And he says that with that anger, if you allow it to fester and you allow it to dwell on it, and if you let it linger too long, it could turn into rage. It could turn into murder. Uh, it could turn. It, it, it could be devastating. And that's why we don't want to. Uh, we're going to talk about how we engage that anger. Let's first look at. Um, so, oh, let me go back. So it's, uh, let me see. Where is that? Verse says, yeah, yeah, therefore, but I tell you, if anyone is angry with a brother or sister, will be subject to judgment. So let's look at 1 John 3. We want to stay there for a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, what this says in relationship to anger. And this revealed a little, a lot for me and what the Lord meant. First uh, John 3 and verse 11 says, for this is the message you heard. From the beginning, we shall love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that uh, we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates it's important. Anyone who hates a brother and sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Again, I was like, man, this is this is this is some deep stuff here because again you're correlating hate to murder. And I was like, Well, you know, I thought I would check my check myself. I was like, you know, I don't hate anyone, I don't think. And I I had to search my heart and say, like, I don't think I hate anyone. There's some people I dislike. Um, maybe some people I dislike strongly, some coworkers that I could stand to feel away from every now and then. Uh, but I, 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 had to I don't really hate anyone. So I looked up that word hate, and uh, yeah, I shouldn't have looked it up. Because <laughs> hate, so uh, in the Greek it says it's miso, it's M-I-S-E-O, and it properly means uh, to love someone or something less than someone. And I was like, wait a minute now. <laughs> so you mean hate is not what I'm thinking hate really meant. And like, you know, I'm angry. I really dislike you or a detestable thing. It means to love someone less than someone else. And I was like, wait, whoa, whoa. Because <laughs> I'm searching my heart now. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I, I do love people, other people over other people. He's saying, Virgil, hey, you know, I want you to love everyone. He starts out. We we talk about uh, we should love one another, <laughs> right? That's what he, he says in verse uh, eleven. He says, from the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. So he's really unpacking this love. What what does this love one another means? Because uh, he says, anyone who hates, that means if you pref- love 
this brother over this brother or this sister over this sister, meaning that you may prefer them. I was like, wait a minute. This is this is deeper. <laughs> I can see myself in this now, which I didn't see before because it was hate. And I didn't think I hated anyone. Uh, but I was like, there are people that I may love over other people that I don't love at all uh, or love less. And so this has real real world ramifications when it comes to culture, when it comes to ethnicity, when it comes to religion, when it comes to uh, nationality, that we may love our own, but may not love like we love our own others. That makes sense. And he says that that kind of hate, because he talks about this in Luke 14, 26, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, this is the same hate, his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister. Yes, even his own life cannot be my disciple. So this kind of hate is you cannot love them more than me. This is the same hate that he's talking about here. And he's saying you cannot love others. You know, he's saying this about us. You can't hate, love less your brother and sister over someone else. That is murder. I said, man, I'm going to pull this up. I ain't preaching Sunday. This is too much. <laughs> because uh, I didn't see myself in that. You know, I was like, I'm not a murderer. I don't hate anyone. But when you unpack that, it means that I do love some people less. And I may treat them differently because I love them less. I may not want to be around them as much because I love them less. I may talk about them to my friends that I love more because I love them less. It's murder, y'all. It's murder. Ah. Will the real murderer please stand up? I'm going to sit down because <laughs> I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, but this is real. So this, this has real, if you look at your heart, and it's not about love like, a, now, because he talks about love, there's agape and there's eros and there's filatio. Those are types of love, but I still love. Those are types of love. There's no levels levels to that. He never said there was. This is better, uh, there's a better love than, than his love, of course. But but um, hate is that I love others less. This is not what we're talking about this morning, though. So I'm gonna move on. But we can really dig into this. <laughs> we're not. We're not supposed to be here. But this was so good. This was just a. Uh, a juicy nugget that we can we're going to maybe unpack a little bit later in detail, but this is really good stuff because uh, sometimes you could think that well I'm not at fault I don't see myself in this scripture I don't see myself in this and when you really dig and unpack it you're just like oh wait a minute I'm all over that you know uh, there are a lot of people I love less <laughs> uh, and there are a lot of people you may even put up with that you don't love nah. Uh, thank, thank you, Amen Corner. I appreciate it. <laughs> I need it today. I need it today, Amen. But yes, check. He knows our motives, y'all. He knows what's behind the facade. He knows if it's love and what we should be pursuing or not. Uh, so, 
Uh, yeah, so we're going to move on from that. But that, that was good in my looking at what, where we are in this. Because we could still say, well, I'm not, I'm not a murderer, but when we, when we dig into it, that we do love some people less. And it is his desire, because this is how you win the world. This is how we are different from everyone else. This is how people are going to be attracted to the church, is that they see that kind of love, that, that, that radical, overwhelming love, when it says, you shouldn't be loving these people, and we love them anyway. Then the world is like, wait, wait a minute. They got something going on. I need, I need to be in that because I want to be loved. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to know how to let go of some anger. I want to know how to put some things aside. I want to know how to love my neighbor. I want to know how to love my brothers and sisters in Christ who don't look like me, who don't act like me, who don't dress like me, but I'm still called to love them nonetheless. Amen. Two Greek words in the New Testament translate as anger. One means passion and anger, and the other means agitated or boiling. I've, I've been all of those in my lifetime at some point. Uh, righteous anger is expressed when we are confronted with sin. Uh, examples of biblical anger include David's, David being upset over hearing Nathan the prophet share an injustice that eventually David realized he was the one. You are the one. <laughs> I love that VeggieTale uh, cartoon <laughs> that talks about that. Anyway, I digress. I've had a lot of coffee this morning, y'all, so I'm a little bit a little amped up. Just a little bit, you know, no food but a lot of coffee just kind of gets me riled up in the morning. Or the Holy Spirit, yeah, it might be that too. <laughs> uh, so, so Jesus' anger, Jesus was anger with the Jews at how they defiled worship in the temple and so he turned over the table and the money changers were there and he was he was real upset with them but that was righteous anger that was not an anger out, uh, out of self-righteousness for themselves but it was anger for the sin that they were doing uh it was upset about uh that the sin that was being committed and god is himself has a righteous anger he can't we can't separate uh separate i'm sorry but we can look at the Old Testament. You see a lot of places where it says God's angry or God's wrath. And that cannot be separated from God's holiness. And his holiness can't allow sin to exist. He can't. He, it, it, and that is why that the cross is so important because he put the sin on Jesus. and He died for us. And so therefore it was his wrath. Jesus took that wrath. So that Old Testament where you see pestilence and drought and all the things that anger God because of our sin, Jesus took that on. So it's so important. I'm sorry, I've digressed again. Um, but it's just really good way of seeing how his wrath and holy anger was fulfilled in Christ and him dying for us. Uh, Christians can channel righteous anger into combating the influence of an evil society. Our out outrageous Christians should lead to bringing others into a loving relationship with Christ. Let me say that again. Our outrage as Christians should lead to bringing others into a loving relationship with Christ. Not to beat them over the head. Not to condemn them. 
not to point the finger at them and say you did wrong, but to bring them into a loving relationship with Christ. That is why it's so important that we check our own hearts, check our own motives, or let him check our motives, and then we love people. Uh, anger can become sinful when motivated by pride or allowed to linger and is unproductive and distorts the purposes of God. Uh, one obvious sign that anger has turned to sin is when instead of t- attacking the problem or the sin, we attack the wrongdoer. So it is not necessarily that we have a problem with <laughs> the sin, but then we start to attack the people who are sinning. And in our love for, for people, because this is where you have it really, you, you really can have anger and sorrow at the same time. I think about Jesus being on the cross and the people, they were murdering him. They were killing him. He's been sacrificed. And he, he was, uh, I think he was angry, but he had sorrow for what they were doing. For they knew not what they were doing. Because, but he, he understood what it meant for him to do. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 14, 32. I'm going to look and see what time it is. Oh, yeah, let's go. Oh, we got, uh, we're going, we're going to get done. Yeah. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 14 to 32. We're going to look at this for a little while. Hopefully, um, we'll go through it quickly, I hope. Uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 14 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth, by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. It's good. I, I, and there's some stuff I need. I wanted to say about that, but we ain't got the time, so I'm keep on going. <laughs> but uh, that's some good stuff right there. Uh, from him, the whole body joined and held together. By supporting ligaments, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is, again, all clothed in love. Uh, 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of their ignorance. And in them do it, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, soften our hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sexuality, so sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity that they are full of greed. This is good stuff. And I read all this because I have some things to say about this, but I got to get to the, the, uh, the stuff I need to get to. <laughs> that, however, is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus you are taught to regard to your former to with regard to your former life to put off the old self to take this old self off which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor it's truthfully again it's important stuff Truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Finally, in 26, (laughs) in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing, so we're not going to go into that. Uh, 
31 says get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. But uh, in your anger, do not sin. So it says, you know, you can be angry, but do not sin. This one stipulation. And do not let the sun go down uh, while you're still angry. Now, I don't know, you know, you can take that literal <laughs> to say <laughs> let your anger be in that day and let it be over with when the sun goes down. We can do that. Or we can definitely say don't allow your don't allow your anger to linger too long. Don't allow your anger to fester in your heart uh, because it would give the devil a foothold or an opportunity. We don't want if the devil sees the enemy, if the enemy sees an opportunity to take you out and to take the person that you're angry about out and to take all those involved out, he will take that opportunity. And so that is why the word says, don't let it linger. Don't fester in your heart. Don't let it go on. And some people, you know, we think, oh, that's not me. And I'm, I'm not one to uh, allow things to linger on. But, you know, people have been angry with family members for years. I mean, decades. I mean, generations. Some people are angry with family members who don't even know the family member that started the, uh, the, uh, the issue. And it's been decades and all of them are dead, but we're still angry or upset about whatever the issue was that we, nobody even knows about anymore. Because we're, we allow that thing to fester in our hearts, allow that thing to grow and become bitter and become malice and we become unforgiving. And we'll just carry that like a badge of honor. We hate them. We don't like them. It's good stuff, y'all. <laughs> what is there about hate? Murder. Yeah. We love them less. <laughs> so uh, don't allow the enemy a footstool, an opportunity to get in there in your heart. Uh, because if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take it, y'all. He's, he's an opportunist. <laughs> and if we give him an opportunity to allow us to uh, hurt ourselves and hurt our brothers and sisters in Christ, he's going to take that opportunity. Uh, so let's go back. We'll go back to the, the scripture. We're in Matthew 5, 21. Uh, I'm going to look at that, just unpack that a little bit longer. I'm running out of time. Uh, so verse 21, so let me just go back, go through here. It says, thou shalt not kill. So that's, this is important. In verse 21, 22, it talks about a court. It's important if uh, remember, or if you didn't know, uh, a lot of cities before the Romans took over Judea, uh, a lot of cities had a tribunal. They were made of 23 people. They were the leaders in that city, and they would be the judges. And so if in, there was an issue, a crime or something, they would bring people to that tribunal which was made up of 23 people and they will make a judgment so this has some context to the jews here because he said you will be judged and a, a judgment and that's what they were they were correlating that to oh there's a tribunal and if you did a crime or did something wrong they sent you before this set you before them and then you plead your case and then they would judge you with the judgment and that's why you could go to jail or be stoned or killed or hung or a whole lot of other things they did. Uh, so that's why this uh, makes sense to, uh, to those Jews. 
Uh, Jewish teachers had taught that nothing except actual murder was forbidding in the sixth commandment. Thus, they explained away its spiritual meaning. Christ showed the full meaning of this commandment according to which we must be judged hereafter and therefore ought to be ruled now. All harsh anger is heart murder. All harsh anger is heart murder. By a brother or sister in Christ, we murder them with our anger. Uh, we can be scornful and prideful, uh, and we can be spiteful, and our hatred is a seed that will grow if we allow it to linger too long. Christ told them how the light, Christ told them how in light of what was going on, how to let go of their anger. So we'll look at anger as a sin, importance of, uh, is letting go of their anger is to pursue reconciliation you may say wait wait a minute i'm angry with them <laughs> why well, i'm going to pursue <laughs> reconciling with them well it's so important because if you look at 22 23 therefore i said therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and this is how important it is because let's say you're coming to church and you're you're doing your christian duty you've been a good faithful uh, son of god and, and and brother in christ and you're coming in and it says there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. And this is important because it didn't say that they have something against you. They said, if you remember that they have something against you, leave the altar of God and get it right. How many times does, in the Bible does it ever say, leave the altar? We come to the altar, right? This is where we're supposed to come and gather. This is where we're supposed to go. But he says, leave, leave. Don't, don't give me your, your gift right now. Get it right with your brother and sister in Christ. That's how important pursuing reconciliation is. Because if you don't have that, then I don't want you at the altar. If you haven't reconciled here, don't come up here. That's what he's saying. That that moved me, y'all. <laughs> I was like, man, I gotta get some stuff right, uh, a lot of things right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, leave your gift at the altar. It says the worshiper is about to offer a gift uh, and stands at the altar with the priest waiting to do his work. That that is the right time for recoll recoll recollection and self scrutiny. Uh, the worshiper is asked should ask himself. Not whether he has grounds of complaint against anyone, but whether anyone has cause or complaint against him. And it says, leave and get that right. The urgency of the reconciliation is that you do it right now. Before you give your gift, you do it right now. Don't don't hesitate. Don't don't wait. Don't say, well, it'll be OK tomorrow. Reconcile and get it right right now. Because if, if Jesus is saying that it is so important that you leave the altar, it is important. Um, I want to look at a scripture. kind of Yeah, Isaiah 1 and 11 says, The multitude of sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings and rams and fat of fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? <laughs> you say, I don't need your sacrifice. 
But what I want you to do is get right with one another. You know, this has so many, um, I think there's so many layers of, uh, uh, so many, con- so many things that this can be applied to. <laughs> uh, like I said, there's some cultural implications, I think. Uh, there's some ethnic, nationality, uh, gender, whatever it is. He wants you to get it right with one another. So much so that you can leave your sacrifice and go do it. Uh, so the key thing here, I'm going to end because I still have a lot more, but we're going to shut it down. <laughs> the sin of murder is not just an eternal act, but includes your heart, motives, and attitude. The punishment for murder is not ultimately decided by earthly courts, but by God in heaven. And if you truly obey the law, we must not only avoid the negatives, but pursue the positives, reconciliation and friendship in all our relationships. I I just want to admonish you. I mean, I I want to really uh, allow you to just get this word that it is important that we pursue reconciliation. It is not just uh, a thing to avoid the negatives, because I like, hey, you can avoid negative coworkers, right? You don't have to go around them. You can avoid negative family members or family members that you don't like. You just don't go visit them. We do. Uh, but <laughs> he says, put on and pursue the positive. Pursue reconciliation with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are, brother, there are Christians that we may not get along with in other churches. And, and within these four walls, I mean, people we don't necessarily like. <laughs> uh, he says, pursue reconciliation. And we can, we can unpack that a little more. Uh, I'm not going to today. But we will later on in some of the other uh, sermons. But how, we, how, that, how that looks, uh, one is going to require the Holy Spirit. Because our hearts are so not wired to, because we love less other people, it is not a priority for us sometimes to pursue that reconciliation. Because we love less them. I love my family, some my immediate family, so I'm going to pursue that with them. But I may not pursue it with other people because I don't really love them like I love my immediate family. I love them less, which we found out is hate. <laughs> and um, we don't want to hate anyone. It keeps it up. <laughs> but when you get right down to it, it's hate. And um, God puts a premium. He has put a premium on our relationships with one another. It is littered throughout the, throughout the Bible, but definitely in the New Testament. How we shall love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. It is in there. So let's stand to our feet and we'll get ready to close. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net. Or call us at 434 847 Four seven nine six. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.